Welcome to the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast, covering agriculture and all things related in East Carroll, Madison, Tinsall, Concordia, and Catahoula Parishes. All right, everybody, welcome to another, this is another episode of the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast. We are, actually, we're all three together today. We got Darrell's here. Say hello, Darrell. Hello. Everybody wants to make sure you're here. I am here. Yeah, you know. We're all in the same truck today. Yeah, we're all sitting in the same truck. Kylie's here. Say hello, Kylie. Hey. (laughs) You'll hear a lot from Kylie. Kylie's been real busy today. She's, we're at the Northeast Louisiana Rice Field Day, and it's up in Marouge. That's where that's where we are. We're actually sitting in the truck uh, up here, and we're sitting out here going to do this podcast. Kylie's she's been she's been busy today. She's interviewed two different people. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but she's going to keep everybody entertained. So <laughs> um, we got a pretty good we got an amusing question of the day. One I think everybody will say, well, you know that's probably right. So anyway, we've got we got a pretty good little podcast to go on. Uh, let's. One thing let's talk about first. We got to see Brown's here, entomologist Trey Price is here. Uh, I know we've all went around and kind of talked. What, Ariel, what you hear from the uh, on seed from the insects? Well, I was talking with Seeb a little bit there, and you know, he says, you know, that they're starting to see some uh, red banded stink bugs showing up, uh, but none of them yet, with yet being the key word, at threshold levels. But to continue to scout fields for stink bugs along with the uh, with the other ones also with the uh cotton uh continue to scout the cotton there were some bollworm you know uh eggs and, and hatches that was been reported but again i don't believe any of them are at threshold level yet but he was advising don't quit scouting continue to scout both beans and uh cotton okay uh all right kylie i know you talk in, in your rounds you made today you Trey, Dr. Trey Price, the pathologist, he's here. Did you talk to him? Yeah, Trey, Trey's message uh, to the listeners was mainly in soybeans. Um, you know, pay attention for taproot decline and target spot. He's, he's seen a little bit of that. Um, cotton looks good um, everywhere he's been, and that uh, corn was pretty much starting to let go, so no issues in the corn crop. Okay, good deal. Well, we're, I mean, it's kind of like just a normal summer day in July. I mean, I don't know what day's the 18th of July, just a normal summer. One thing I will say now, remind everybody, they need to listen to our Twitter feed or subscribe to our Twitter feed because I know I put some stuff up that Steve tweeted out or he texted out this morning to the, the list, the message board about some stuff in cotton and soybeans. So, and we just, we just copy that and forward it right on to the Twitter page kind of get it out there so subscribe to our twitter page um what else we got we got a, some several interviews today so i think we probably ought to get into those kylie who'd you talk to uh started with uh, our rice specialist uh dr dustin harold and then we interviewed uh jason waller who is a farmer here in marouge um and he's 100 percent row rice so you'll get to hear his point of view and what he thinks about it and uh, obviously he likes it if he's he's growing a lot of row rice. So stay tuned for that. Okay. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, with that. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast. I'm joined here today with Dr. Dustin Harrell. Um, we're up here at the Northeast um, Louisiana Row Rice Field Day today. And um, Dustin, just introduce yourself and tell us who you are and about what you do. Well, Kylie, thanks for having me on your uh, podcast today. 
Uh, as you said, my name is uh, Dustin Harrell. I am a research agronomist, agronomist at the H. Rouse Cathy Rice Research Station in Crowley, Louisiana. Uh, I also serve as the director of research for the station. Uh, and I also uh, have a role as the state rice specialist for, for Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, let's, let's begin with everyone. The question that I'm sure everybody is concerned about right now was Hurricane Barry. Um, how, did, how did the rice in Louisiana fare this, through this storm, and what are we looking at going forward? Well, a lot of rice uh, in southwest Louisiana mm-hmm. where we were really worried about the hurricane, most of it uh, of the rice was already headed. Mm-hmm. So anytime we have a hurricane, and this is actually pretty early for a mm-hmm. hurricane, so yeah. uh, the damage that a hurricane can cause with her, a headed rice uh, could be quite substantial. So okay. You know, uh, one of the things that can happen is, is, is rice can go underwater, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, obviously um, that's going to cause some quality issues in the rice uh, from that and a lot of damage and a lot of uh, losses. The other thing mm-hmm. we worried about is, is lodging, okay. uh, where this lodging, as you know, is, is where uh, the wind and the rains will, will knock down the rice, um, you know, and it's going to lay on the ground. and then. Again, the heads can get in the water, and, and we can uh, have some real issues when that occurs. Uh, and also, just high winds uh, in general mm-hmm. uh, can cause some issues. So, uh, we were really worried about the hurricane uh, as it came on. Most of Southwest Louisiana uh, was actually fared very well, that's, that's... Um, and we were really lucky. Yeah. Uh, we didn't get a lot of rain, okay. I- I- as much as it was uh, projected with, okay. with some of the meteorologists. Uh, so we were very fortunate. Uh, we did have a little bit of rice that, that lodged, but not too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the biggest things that, that occurred to some of our growers, we did have some rice that was flowering. Uh, and high winds and rain during flowering uh, can also cause uh, you know, poor pollination in some of our mm-hmm. grains to abort. Uh, if you know about rice, uh, when you have a, a panicle of rice, it typically flowers from the top to the bottom. So it'll have a little section each day that'll flower. Mm-hmm. From about 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock, that'll open up, and and it's a self-pollinating plant. So when it's open from 10 10 to 2, if you have high rains or high winds and rain, uh, it can cause those grains to abort. We did have some of that happen with some of our rice, Mm -hmm. uh, but really the bulk of the rice um, was was beyond that point, so we were okay there. Now, there was a pretty heavy band of rain that came in the, the second day after the hurricane, um, where we did, you know, some of these places got more than a foot of rain. Right. And this band was probably from Overland, Louisiana, uh, over to Ville Platte, to the Bunky area. And that region, you know, did get mm-hmm. quite, a, quite a bit of rain. And uh, we did have some rice go underwater. Um, in some cases, they were able to get the water off pretty quickly. In other cases, it's still there. Yeah. So uh, we're going to lose some rice in, in those cases and definitely lose some quality. And uh, we'll just have to see the what extent of that. What stage was that rice in? Do you know? Uh, that rice was was already headed. Okay. And, and uh, you know, most of our rice in the region was was about one week from draining, so Ooh. about three weeks from harvest. So the bulk of our crop is 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 at that point. Mm-hmm. So it's been a rough year uh, for rice um, here in Northeast Louisiana. Mm-hmm. You know that you know we started the year and it was it rained a lot. It does. It's unusual, had, yeah. <laughs> and we had some flooding up here. Uh-huh. So. You know, and those floods just didn't want to go away. Yeah. So we had a lot of rice that, that we did have some prevented planting. Yep. Um, so we, we lost some acres there. 
But we also had some acres that were planted very late. That's, because they that's wa- our story in Concordia, for sure. Yeah. We definitely wanted, they wanted to get those acres mm-hmm. in. And uh, so it's been, you know, just a really challenging, challenging year to this point. Yeah. Uh, we still got a long way to go, unfortunately. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah. Um, so let's move into um, some of the things that you talked about at field day this morning. Um, I know you talked about nitrogen rates on rice. Uh, what can you share with us? Yeah, so today we had the Northeast Louisiana Row Rice Field Day. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a field day that, that was uh, put together to showcase mm-hmm. uh, some of the research uh, that's going on with row rice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Agent Keith Collins uh, yep. actually has is the uh, recipient of a rice research board project that's focused on demonstrations of, of row rice. Mm-hmm. and. You know, row rice is a new phenomenon. Um, it's where we're growing rice in open conditions and furrow irrigating it just like we do corn and soybeans. Mm-hmm. And this is a new practice. It's, it's really got a lot of advantages, and that's why it's been so attractive uh, up here in northeast Louisiana, as well as in Arkansas and Mississippi. If we look at our statistics, I think if you go back three years ago, we had about, you know, uh, 800 acres of row rice that jumped up to 2,000 and then 4,000 and this year we're expecting about 8,000 acres of row wow. rice okay. so it's really uh, catching on mm-hmm. and, and some of the reasons is because the advantages the biggest advantage is in most years you're going to use less water yeah. so, so water is an advantage another advantage is um, you can make late decisions on determining what you're going to plant so if, you know, you, if you're trying to decide between corn or, or or soybeans and rice, um, you can make those decisions later. Now we can also move more uh, land that was normally not rice land or traditional rice land into rice production. Maybe it has a little bit more slope on it Mm -hmm. that that you couldn't produce rice on it. Well, using furrow irrigated rice, uh, you can. Um, Other advantages uh, include less passes the tractor across the field. You're saving energy there as well because you're not pulling all the different levees. That's true, yeah. So these are some of the advantages, but uh, with any new practice, there are some disadvantages or challenges with it as well. Uh, the number one challenge with furrow irrigated rice or row rice is blast susceptibility. Mm-hmm. Blast is one of our major diseases in rice. Um, and anytime you grow rice in upland conditions, you subject that rice to conditions that favor blast uh, formation. Mm-hmm. So we have to be very careful when we, we do row rice that we choose a variety or a high, rice hybrid that has uh, resistance for blast. Mm-hmm. That's probably the number one consideration. So it kind of limits us on, okay. on what we can plant. Uh, the next thing that, that's maybe a little bit of a disadvantage in row rice production is herbicides, uh, weed control. Um, typically, if you know our typical paddy rice or flooded rice, we use the flood is actually helps us in weed control. Mm-hmm. It's one of our major That's ways right. that we can control the weeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and furrow irrigated rice, uh, now we're growing rice in upland conditions, the weed spectrum changes, uh, and we no longer have that flood, so we have to be vigilant that we use residual herbicides mm-hmm. and that we overlap those herbicides uh, to keep keep it uh, weed-free as possible until that, until that uh, you know, that, that the overlap uh, and, and of that rice uh, later in the season. Mm-hmm. The other disadvantages we have is it typically takes a little bit more nitrogen mm-hmm. um, and row rice production uh, than we do in flooded rice. 
the reason is, is in flooded rice, we put about two-thirds of our nitrogen just before our permanent flood uh, on dry ground, and then we get that water across the field as quickly as possible. That field goes anaerobic once you get that, or no oxygen, and uh, it stabilizes that nitrogen in the ammonium form, and then rice can just take it up at its leisure throughout the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. And row rice is quite different. Row rice, you put it in the ground, we're going to uh, irrigate it in, it's going to get wet, then it gets dry, then it gets wet, and then it gets dry. And because it goes back and forth like that, the efficiency of the nitrogen decreases because now it's subject to more loss mechanisms. So because of that, uh, we actually have to put more nitrogen in this system. Uh, how much more nitrogen? Well, we, we're just in the beginnings of learning uh, how to apply nitrogen in this system. We did establish uh, a trial last year at the Rice Research Station in Crowley to look at how much nitrogen, uh, what kind of timings, should we put that nitrogen uh, and try to answer some of those questions. And what we found from this first year uh, of research was that we found that when we compared furrow irrigated rice with the same variety in flooded irrigation, we typically need about 100 pounds more of urea uh, per acre okay. to get equivalent yields. How would this be applied? Well, instead of applying two-thirds up front on a flooded field, now we're going to take that nitrogen, we're going to add 100 extra pounds of urea to it, and we're going to spoon feed it. We're going to spoon feed it seven to ten days apart um, and uh, to make up for that loss of efficiency that we have. Uh, if the ground is wet with no standing water, uh, we're also going to recommend you use a urease inhibitor on that to reduce volatility losses uh, as well. But uh, we're really still learning a lot about row rice and, and you know, you can tell by the way that the acres have expanded over the years that it's very important to this region of the state. It is, yeah. And it'll probably continue to grow. Right. And the Rice Research Board uh, in Louisiana saw that it was important. So not only did they fund uh, the row rice demonstration uh, by Keith Collins, but they also funded some row rice research uh, with Dr. Josh Copes mm -hmm. uh, at the St. Joe Research Station where he's actually looking uh, at can we put... Uh, use fertigation, basically putting liquid nitrogen in with our irrigation water uh, and, and kind of uh, not fertilizing with nitrogen that way. Will that work? Yeah. So that's another thing that's being looked and into. And this is the first year to that study, right? This is the first okay. year of his study. Uh, he doesn't have any results at this time, but you know, it's all a learning process. Right. Yeah. Anytime you have a new management practice like, like furrow irrigated rice, we don't have any best management practices recommendations to, to give our growers. That's right. So we're going to have to do this type of research so we can develop those best management strategies uh, and to make this as a productive practice as possible. Yeah, because it is important to this region and, and, and its popularity is definitely taken off and lots of interest. So, but um, well, Dustin, we appreciate you taking the time to be a part of our podcast and hopefully maybe next year or sometime soon we can get you on again so, absolutely it was my all right. pleasure all right well thank you so much all right i'm sitting here today with jason waller and we have been at the uh northeast rice field day for a rice field day and um jason why don't you tell me about yourself and what you do and you know you farm here in northeast louisiana and just tell us about yourself and you know how do you enjoy it? So. Yeah, my name is Jason Waller, and I'm uh, I live in Maroods, Louisiana, and farm in Louise Maroods, Louisiana. 
and uh, my cotton. I'm no, I'm sorry, a soybean, corn, and uh, rice farmer uh, here. We uh, farm all three crops. Of uh, got three three good-looking boys and a beautiful wife, and uh, we're just a good third-generation farm family. And uh, you know, we uh, today we're here at the uh, North Louisiana Rice. Uh, row rice field day and uh, we had a, a meeting in the field today where uh, we've got a uh, one of our LSU fields that's funded by the rice research board and uh, we've got uh, I think it's nine varieties planted in this field today mm -hmm. and um, uh, had a good attendance a lot of people here um, um, just been a been a beautiful sunny day it has been that well, um, you know, Dennis just told me y'all grow uh, all your rice is row rice. That's correct. Oh. We we started. Uh, I've been growing row rice now for four years. Mm -hmm. Started out with forty acres of row rice um, uh, that was in the mix of my acres of rice, and then from that point forward, we moved to uh, about three hundred acres of row rice in that mix. Mm -hmm. The next year, we were fifty percent. And then the next year, which is this year, we're 100% okay. row rice now. Wow. So, so um, the, what are the advantages of it that you find? Yeah, the advantages, there's just a, a good many advantages for us. One mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, we're, as a farmer and a producer, mm -hmm. I am a steward of the land. And that, that makes me want to conserve water, uh, soil, erosion, any, any issues with uh, that. And this row rice situation goes with that. So the first year that we, we farmed row rice, I had two 40-acre fields side by side uh, using the same well. The row rice used 26% less water than what the paddy rice field did right beside it. So that gave me a, a, a real interest in, in growing row rice. Mm -hmm. So moving forward from that, we don't, have to, we don't have to levee these fields up. We don't have to build levees. We don't have to tear levees down. We can row this ground up in the fall and make a decision on what we're going to plant in the spring, which could be either corn, beans, or rice. Mm -hmm. And that's a really big tool to have in your belt because the markets change Absolutely. so much now, and and we don't ever, we don't we don't really know from from fall to spring what these markets might do, and and if we're looking at a higher price more return on investment on one crop versus the other we mm -hmm. can really switch from one crop to the other i, I so, like that flexibility yeah. that that is appealing yeah so. uh other other things are um we you know like i said we don't have to use as much irrigation mm -hmm. uh on a lot of these uh on the row rice versus paddy rice uh, being able to to harvest this rice in the direction of the fall is of the field is a, a really big key we can take uh, and and harvest with the fall so if we have a, a wet fall mm -hmm. a wet situation and we have ruts in the field then we will be able to harvest with the fall which allows the field to drain better mm -hmm. instead of having the ruts going across the field with the levees mm -hmm. so that's a big big key yeah um other um uh, you know Really, there, there are just several other different uh, advantages, uh, you know, being able to, to drain the field faster, uh, quicker. Um, if the rice happens to blow down, we can cut it kind of in any direction that we want to, uh, to for, for harvesting to be easier for mm -hmm. the combines. 
So just just several advantages to actually being able to, to switch to this practice. Well, obviously it's working for you or you wouldn't be 100%. Yeah, that's, so. that's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Uh, so, you know, what are some of the disadvantages? I mean, it's a new, I mean, it's a new method of farming rice and, um, you know, surely you've come across some issues. Um, we have. The fertility issue with the nitrogen has really been a, mm -hmm. a one major problem that we've had to overcome. Uh, we think we've got that figured out now. Okay. Uh, the first couple years we were trying different ways and we were really losing some nitrogen to denitrification. And now spoon feeding this rice, doing multiple trips with uh, the nitrogen is really, we feel like is the way to go. To, mm -hmm. to, uh, and how are you doing that? Are you doing we're, that? We're doing it with split applications with uh, urea and okay. we are using a, a urease inhibitor uh, like uh, an agritain type product mm -hmm. or, um, you know, or. Um, uh, just some kind of product to, to help with uh, denitrification. Yeah. Uh, so mainly is really splitting these nitrogen applications up in different timings. A lot of will will come in right at what we call a tight pre-flood type situation. So we're holding water on the bottom of the field. We'll come in with 100 pounds of urea, and um, and and then 10 days later, mm -hmm. I mean I've already got it written down in the books at the airport. I mean, it, we come in with another 100 pounds, mm -hmm. and then 10 days later, we come in with another 100 pounds. Mm -hmm. and, and it can be somewhere between seven and 10 days. You just have to look at the stage of the rice mm -hmm. and how it's reacting to these applications. Well, a lot of questions when people are you know, asking me what, you know, what do we think about it, being an extension agent and stuff, is you know, how many days do you have to wait between watering? You know, what's your that's, rule of thumb, kind of? That's a, that's a very good question. That's a really good question. So what we do is, is we, we really do a drive-by kind of, mm -hmm. and we're using polypipe on the end of the field. Mm -hmm. we're, uh, we're watering every row. Mm -hmm. We're 38-inch beds. Okay. We try to keep our beds as low as we can to plant on. To, okay. to, uh, we just have a, a bed uh, that's tall enough just to channel water down. So as we drive by and we look at these fields, we see these fields starting to kind of dry up a little bit on the top. We, we turn the pump on, water it, and normally three to five days, depending on overhead temperature, is, is when we come back. Mm -hmm. But understand, if we've got a 50-acre field, we're only actually watering about 15 to 20 acres of that 50-acre field because mm -hmm. the bottom of the field remains uh, flooded with water. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Another question we get a lot, or I get a lot of, too, when it comes to the rare rice is, you know, backing up to, you're talking about having that flexibility to be able to make that late decision, you know, whether you're going to plant corn or soybeans or the rice, you know, how easy is it to get the seed that time of year? Have you had any issues with that or? There's no, I haven't had any issues there. That's seeds good. pretty ready, readily available for any crop that you okay. kind of want to go into. Well, that's, that's good. Well, Jason, we appreciate you being on the podcast and, and giving your insight and, uh, Hopefully we can get you on again yeah. next year. Yeah, so. well, thank you for letting me be here. All right. Okay, Kylie, that was great. We had, um, you, it was good. You did both of them together. Uh, we got that. There was some pretty good, pretty good interviews. They had some good things to say. I mean, some interesting stuff going on. You know, I did, it's a great job. All right, um, what we got? Oh, we got questions today. We or the question of the week. I got here, I'm going Kylie and I have already discussed this, so she knows the answer. I'm the guinea pig. You're the guinea pig. Yeah. You, don't, okay. you don't, how well are you go? This is Jeopardy. 
We're going to, you know, this is for, oh. this is for all the marbles. Oh. Okay, in, in along the river here, along the Mississippi River and the Delta, what is the most commonly seen, this is, and I'm talking about this summer, the most commonly seen non-destructive animal in fields? And this is everything from a cotton field to a soybean, rice, corn, it don't really matter where you see it. What is it? Non-destructive. We're not that that you it know. Takes out the coons. It takes out, takes the, out the bears. Okay, we already talked about process bears. Process of elimination. Process of elimination. The, no deer. The no deer. deer. No hogs. Hogs. We ain't talking about people. I ain't talking about people. I, yeah. When you first hit me with this question, I was thinking, I'm, which, what are you talking non? I had to get it straight because I'm thinking, mm-hmm. well, maybe he's talking about humans. Uh, I don't know. I give up. An alligator. An alligator. There's alligators everywhere. You look in every culvert. Or I know in Tinsall Parish, I mean, we had one in a duck blind, about a two-foot one, the duck blind filled up with water, and he's off in the bottom of it. Had to get him out of there. Well, you know, I've seen uh, them in the bar that comes through Tallulah. They're, they're swimming all through it now, a couple of them. Oh, yeah. You know, they're they're along the levee, along the river. You get along the river. Well, that's, there goes the fire truck in the room. <laughs> well... I mean, this is an it's a hopping little town, you know. Uh, we're, uh, but you go along the levee there, and every every so often there's a, yeah. some big alligators coming out of that river. Yeah. But they're they're in culverts. I've had several people. You saw one in a cotton field, didn't you, Kylie? Soybeans. Soybeans. Oh. Ooh, well, I mean, they're, I don't know what an alligator's doing in a soybean field, but they're there. So, okay, I guess that pretty well. We've had a pretty good thing here uh you got one other thing you want yeah, to talk uh, about Ariel? yeah uh you know we're always asking folks to send us comments you know uh give us ideas for the podcast questions of the week even because we're, we're starting to scratch trying to find those but there's another thing guys we we need y'all's help uh if you listen as you listen to our podcast go in and give us a review and the more positive re- reviews we get the higher we move up into the Google rankings to where our message or our, our podcast is in a kind of publicized a little more, a little more frequently to where we can reach a, a larger audience. So as, as you listen to us, give us a good review on, on it so it'll help move us up in Google rankings. All right. Good deal. And any suggestions... Any, if anybody's got anything, just just send one of us a call, text, email. It don't matter. You know, follow our Twitter feed. You know, we're just let us know. We're just trying to tell people what's going on. That's it. You know, we're just trying to reach y'all with keep you up to date on what's going on and try to add a little humor to it too and make it enjoyable. <laughs> well, yeah, we we're pretty humorous. You know, <laughs> told a friend of mine in Arkansas, I said, you want to listen to something humorous? And he said, yeah. I said, and I, told, I gave him our podcast. <laughs> he said, yeah, that y'all, y'all, yeah. <laughs> so, we are what we are. We are what we are. But, but we also try to bring a good message to Yeah, we, uh, you sound like a preacher just hey, I know, I thought it. about that. We're going to we gonna bring a message. I, you know. <laughs> Now, we well, I can't non- help it. The Baptists come out in well, every now and then. But we got to be non, you know, non-denominational <laughs> here. You know, we're a public entity here. You know, so and we're going out over the public airway. We'll bring you a good report. Okay, that worked. That's a needed, fine. a needed report. How about that? That worked. You know, just what's going on. So, <laughs> Callie, you got any final thoughts? I mean, you know, we're, we're dying here. So. Uh, well, thanks everyone for listening, and uh, tune in next week. Mm-hmm.
The Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast is produced by the LSU Ag Center Extension Service. For more information, visit the LSUAgCenter.com or contact your local Extension office.